All right, uh, if you're new here today, um, welcome. I am not the pastor here. I'm not Pastor Rick. Um, pastor Rick is traveling right now. He's in the States eating all the good Mexican food and everything he's doing. <laughs> um, and so you can pray for him. He also is going to be teaching at many churches. So as he's on his vacation teaching, um, pray for him. He's visiting his kids. Um, Becca, his daughter, actually is graduating uh, nursing school. So that's an awesome thing. So he's over there for her graduation and visiting Noah, Maya, his other kids. So um, he's going to be gone for a, a few weeks. So just pray for him and the family there, okay? A little introduction before I start. Uh, my name is Josh, if we've never met. Um, my wife and I are both half Okinawan. So Anna's mom and my mom, were both, they're both from here. Um, my mom's back in that corner. <laughs> She's going to hate that if you guys are all looking at her. Um, but both of our moms are Okinawan. So we both grew up here, grew up in this church. We grew up in the same neighborhood. And now me and Anna, we live in the same neighborhood. So it's crazy. We are all just in the same seawall, which is pretty cool. Um, but we have a beautiful, beautiful five-month-year-old daughter. There she is. So cute, right? Let's turn this into a family photo. Yes. <laughs> People are like, didn't you have a picture of the three of you guys? I'm like, yeah, but I mean, this picture is so cute, so I'll just add myself in it later. <laughs> so there, there we are. That's my family, uh, my wife and our daughter, Sunny. So if you guys see them later, you guys can say hi. Um, I do have the, uh, the privilege of leading the high school ministry here at Youth Group or at Calvary Okinawa, so I get to hang out with your youth kids uh, week after week, and honestly, I should be the one teaching them all the time, but I learn from them a lot. <laughs> so we have such amazing youth kids. They are solid, they love the Lord, and I get convicted all the time for the things I do. <laughs> and so I love our youth group. I love that I get to hang out with them. Um, shameless plug, though, just like Chloe said, if you are a youth age kid, 6th grade to 12th, or if you have a kid <clears throat> in that age range, I encourage you guys to come or bring them to youth group. We meet every Friday at 6.30. Um, May is a crazy month. We, we're off a lot of the Fridays, but usually we meet every week, um, and especially for the summer, we have a lot of events coming up. So um, it's a great time. 6.30 at uh, downstairs in the fellowship hall, we meet for dinner. Um, we have gracious meal providers who cook for us <clears throat> week after week, and those kids can eat. And so we, we eat together, and then we have worship. Um, we, we're going through the book of John, and we have games outside. So Friday Night Youth is really fun. I encourage you guys to come on out um, if you're in that age range, okay? All right. Um, Chaplain Wayne did an amazing job last week uh, teaching <clears throat> from First Peter, so I get to pick up where he left off. So if you have your Bibles with you, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18. <clears throat> if you need a Bible, can you please raise your hand? The ushers will bring you one right now. Excuse me. <clears throat> raise it high in the air. Awesome. We'll be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18 through 27. If you're there, if you would uh, stand with me in honor of God's word. <clears throat> Hold on, I got to turn there first. <laughs> All right. 
Oops, sorry you guys. Technology is being weird right now. First Peter chapter 2, <clears throat> 18 through 27. Peter says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when, mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure this, or sorry, you endure it, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. <laughs> he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, you're so good to us. Holy Spirit, we invite you here to teach us today, <clears throat> to speak to us. I pray that our hearts will be soft, one that hears your word and, and accepts it and um, allows you to do a work, Lord. Speak to us today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, say hi to somebody, greet your neighbors, please, and then you guys can have a seat. <clears throat> All right. You know, before I started working <clears throat> at Calvary uh, full-time, I used to work on base as a sandwich artist. That's what, <laughs> that's what they called us. Helping people eat fresh at Subway, right? That's what I did. <clears throat> I got hired on as a supervisor um, at Subway at the, uh, the Naval Hospital on Foster. That's what I did, right? I made sandwiches for you guys. And we had a lot of people who were returnees, right? A lot of the, uh, the doctors and the nurses and the people who worked there came all the time. So I got to know the people there a lot. And it, was, it, was, it was a really good time. Uh, came with his own challenges, but it was fun. Um, but I remember when I got hired there, <clears throat> the guy who trained me, right, my, my uh, I guess my fellow supervisor or whatever, he, he was training me, but I vividly remember the way that he trained me, right? He was telling me, oh, you have to do these steps. You have to make sure you, you follow these steps, but, but I don't. Like, you can just skip those steps. It's fine. Like, it just takes so much time, right? Like, we, we're trying to leave by eight. <laughs> just, try to, just keep all those extra steps. We can just go home. Right, things like that, I was like, I was caught off guard. I was like, what, really? Like, I, can, I don't have to do these things, right? Like, I was a little shocked. And I remember he would cut corners in a lot of places, right? And um, just because it took too long or, I don't know, overall, he just didn't give his best. or He didn't care. Um, he wasn't a true sandwich artist, right? He, <laughs> he was faking it. <clears throat> his heart wasn't in it. Um, Anyways, before, before he transferred back to the States, we, we were talking, and, and um, it came up that I'm a Christian, and it was just, his response was, oh, praise the Lord, me too, right? And, and we, we started talking, and it, was just, it, was, it came, to a, it came as, as a shock to me when I heard that he was a Christian, because I was like, well, I don't know, just, just working with him for months, right? And his vocab, his, the way he worked, the way that he, I mean, honestly, cheated a lot, right? It, it, it didn't seem like a 
Christian you know, way of working, if that makes sense. And so it came to me as a surprise, <clears throat> and we talked a little bit after that, right, just about um, our faith and everything, but it, it was a good conversation. But I just remember that, and it stuck with me. Um, the fact that he always talked sour about our manager, right, and how she didn't give us enough time off, or she didn't, you know, pay us enough, or she didn't do this or that, right? And I remember just him constantly talking sour about our manager. <clears throat> and I just remember, like, just thinking about it, it's a shame, right? Especially if he is a Christian, right, walking with the Lord, it's a shame the way that he lived it out. It's a shame that the way he worked at his workplace. He didn't represent God well, right? I knew about him and his faith, but just think about the people who come, right? They're hurting, they're, um, they're having a bad day and they come through the subway line, right? And, and he doesn't even give him a smile. He's just sour, right? That's not a good representation of God, right? Today, we're looking at a passage where it might be a little bit difficult um, for you to hear. <clears throat> Maybe it's hard. Maybe it's something that you don't want to change. Maybe it's something that you just feel like, nah, this isn't for me. But I trust and believe that God has something for each and every one of us here today. I draw your attention back to verse 18, <clears throat> 1 Peter 2, 18. Peter says, servants, right? This is you guys. This is us. Be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. As Christians, right, and I, this is, I'm talking to myself as well, right? As Christians, we need to be submissive. In the rest of the book of 1 Peter, the, the theme really is to submit. Right? As Christians, we need to live a yielded, peaceful life. And last week, we looked at submitting to our government. We read in verse 15, if you go back a little bit, right? Uh, Peter says, for this is the will of God. Right? Peter says, do this, and then he adds that. This is the will of God, right? That makes it hard for us to, to not do it, right? We want to please the Lord, and we know that this is God's will, and so we'll do these things. So in today's passage, we read to be submissive to our masters, right? You can, in your head, replace that word master with your boss. There's some youth in here, so maybe your teacher, parents, whoever God placed above you, right? Be submissive to your masters, we read in 1 Peter chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 1, for the wives to submit to their own husbands. We read in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, for the younger to submit to the elders. And Peter continues and says, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. And so it's, it's pretty obvious. Peter's point, right, is to, for us as Christians to submit. We need to submit. We all have a place where we need to submit. He continues in, in that same verse in chapter five. <clears throat> he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So it's clear that God's will for us is to be submissive, to be humble. But it's not, that's not an easy task. Right? It's much easier said than done. We ought to be people who are yielded and kind and not someone who's constantly demanding our rights. Right? This is wrong. This is the way it should be. I deserve this, right? We should be someone who is kind and yielded, gracious. Know that God resists the proud, 
but gives grace to those who are humble. It takes humility to submit to somebody. It takes humility to, to say, okay, I want my way, but I'll submit. It's hard. You know, I've heard it said before that pride and rebellion is the birthmark of the children of the devil. Humility and grace is the birthmark of those who are God's children. <clears throat> Say it again. Pride and rebellion is the birthmark of the children of the devil. Humility and grace is the birthmark of those who are God's children. Right? Peter knew. Peter knew that we don't like authority. Peter knew that we, we want to do things that we were told not to do. Right? The, the classic cookie jar example. Right? Don't eat the cookie out of the cookie jar. And all you want to do, all you're thinking about is the cookie. Right? Don't touch that button. Don't press that button. All you want to do is press that button. We're rebellious by nature. We want to do what we know is not right. We, we, have, we just have this nature to rebel. We want to be the one in power. <coughs> we love to be the one who calls the shots, right? We, we want to be that. Our flesh is rebellious by nature. And in a sense, that, that's, that's the flesh we're trapped in, right? That's the flesh that we're living in. And it takes discipline. It takes work to submit. It's, it's a daily work. It's a daily discipline that we need to, to have, so our first point for the, for the day, submission is an act of worship to God. You know, we're all, we are, we're all created to worship God. And we can obviously worship God through songs and all these different ways, but submitting, right? It's an act of worship. By submitting the way God wants us to, we glorify and edify each other. Do it for the Lord. Be a good witness. You know, the devil wants people to rebel. Sometimes we see people and we wonder, why? Like, why are you like that? <laughs> why, why are you acting like that? Why are they so rebellious? Well, it's maybe because they're not reborn or they're not a Christian. They're not, they're not walking with the Lord. So, so they just listen to the flesh. They just listen to what their nature says to do. They rebel. Satan is a king of rebellion and chaos. You guys, this is not what God called us to be. He didn't call us to rebel. He didn't call us to be chaotic. So let's ask ourselves right now, what kind of workers are we? Just put yourself back in you know, your workplace and what kind of worker are you? We should be people who are reliable. Right? As Christians, we need to be People that people want to work with. Right? Honest people of integrity, loyal and, and faithful. Sadly, many Christians they have a bad reputation of being judgmental or just straight up lazy. Or just, they just don't want to do whatever they're supposed to do. Unreliable. Right, church, this doesn't only dishonor God. To, to have this type of work ethic, it, it ruins the witness that we are supposed to have. On the other hand, when we are good workers, right, faithful, reliable, and trustworthy, being the best employee that you can be, it honors God. It honors the Lord. 
Not only that, it causes others to look at you and then you can have a good witness. You, you represent God well. Now, it's easy to be a good worker. It's easy to be good workers when you, we have the greatest boss, right? When, you have, when your boss is just awesome and, and they listen to you, they hear your voice, they're understanding, your voice matters to them. It, it's easy for you to be a good worker because it's easy, right? They, they make it easy for you. But what if your boss isn't? If your boss is harsh, your master, right, is mean to you, doesn't care about your, fear, your feelings, your voice does not matter, your opinions don't matter, you work overtime, you don't get paid enough, I mean, all those things. Maybe you lose all motivation to work at all. Maybe, maybe your way of getting back at them is you not putting your best effort forward. I told you before, I, I grew up here <clears throat> in the youth group here. And when I was about to graduate, I remember um, going to Pastor Kevin and saying, hey, Pastor Kevin, I, I don't know what I want to do. I have no idea. I have no plans. Should I join the military? Should I go into, you know, college? Should I go to Bible college, work, school of worship? I had all these options, but I didn't know what to do. And Kevin, he, he sat me down. And I remember still to this day that conversation I had. He sat me down and he opened his Bible. He, he read to me Colossians 3.23. He says, whatever you do, do it heartily, right? Give it your best as to the Lord, not to men. He was telling me like, hey, whatever you do, whatever option you choose, wherever you choose to go, just make sure that you're giving it your best and you're doing it for God. And you'll be fine. It's not the answer I wanted. I wanted him to just tell me where to go. <laughs> like, hey, Josh, go here. I was like, great, that's easy. <laughs> that's, not what, that's not the answer he gave me. He said, whatever you choose, just make sure you do it for God and that you give it your best. <clears throat> this stuck with me. Right? I went to Bible college um, in California. And when you go to uh, the Calvary Chapel's Bible college, you're, you're assigned basically a job. It's called M199. And I remember um, being assigned to the kitchen and it was early morning, so I was there at like three or four, receiving the frozen packages and putting into the freezer room, uh, rotating the food, right? You all know the deal if you've been in food before. Um, but I remember being told many times, like, hey, you need to make sure you, you wipe underneath all the condiments, or you need to go in there and clean all the shelves, the bottom shelf, right? Nobody cleans those, but you need to make sure you clean those, right? Like, I, I remember thinking, nobody's going to know, <laughs> right? Nobody's going to know if I pick up the ketchup, you know, they're this big, pick up the ketchup containers and wipe the bottom. Nobody's going to know. I was tempted many times to just skip those process, right? Skip those steps. Because I was like, it takes so much time and it's just meaningless. <laughs> That's how I thought. Whenever I was standing there, right, contemplating, should I, should I do this? Should I bend down and wipe those shelves? <laughs> those words of Kevin, right, from Colossians 3.3.3 always came up. Are you doing it for, his name is Patrick, my boss. Are you, doing it for, are you doing it for Patrick or are you doing it for God? If you're doing it for Patrick, then yeah, he might not know, so it's fine. But if you're doing it for the Lord, he knows. He sees you standing there for the past two minutes <laughs> contemplating, <laughs> should I wipe those shelves? I could have been done by now. I'm just standing there, right? <laughs> 
so silly, but that's how it was, right? And, and you know, being convicted many times, ah, oh, fine. God sees and he, you know, he wants me to do it. I'll do it for him. Are you doing this for your boss? When you go back to your work and when you do things, when you turn in documents, when you, whatever you guys do, when you do those things, do you do it for your boss? Ultimately to please your boss, to, to, to look good in his or her eyes, to receive praise and honor from your boss? Or are you doing it for God? Right? That, that's the mind shift change we, we, we need to have. When we turn our eyes from working and, and doing things for our boss, for, for our human masters, if you will, when we turn our eyes from that to doing it for the Lord, it changes things. It helps you submit. It helps you be a good worker. It helps you to, to excel in what you do because you give it your best. It's important for us to remember that although God put bosses and, and, and you know, supervisors and managers above us, we ultimately serve the Lord by serving them, right? We work as unto God in whatever we do. No matter how small your task might seem, how big your task might seem, it's all for God. If you have that mindset, it'll make it easier to submit. We submit to God by submitting to our earthly masters. It's an act of worship. All right, going back to our text, verse 19 and 20. It says, for this is a gracious thing, gracious thing. When mindful of God, when endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it? When you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But when... But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. I chuckled a little bit when I read this. You know, it's, it's commendable to be submissive to our earthly masters, right? It's good. It's a good thing to do. But it says, for what credit is it if when you're beaten for your fault, when you do something wrong and you take it patiently? Like, there's a difference between being punished for the wrong that you did and taking you know, harsh, being, being treated harshly for no reason, right? There's a difference between those things, Or right? Some might get chewed out by their boss because they keep showing up to work late or they, they keep doing things wrong and they're like, oh, I'm being persecuted. <laughs> uh, no, right? You're not being persecuted. You're being corrected for the wrong actions that you've, you've been doing. You keep showing up to work 45 minutes late, you're getting chewed out. You're not being persecuted, But some do get treated harshly, right? They, their boss really don't, they just don't like them because of their faith or just who they are, I don't know. Some are treated unfairly and, and harshly for no reason. And Peter is saying to those people, hang in there. You're gonna be okay. Keep going. Right, because God's watching. You guys, Christians should be good workers. Christians should be hard workers. We need to be the best employees that we can be. Even, even when our boss, our managers, people above us are harsh. 
Maybe you don't completely agree with your boss. Maybe you've tried <clears throat> to tell them your thoughts and your opinions, um, your suggestions, and they just won't listen. If what they're telling you to do isn't going against God and his you know, will for you, then just submit. Just, just say, okay, and submit to your masters. It's, it's hard and takes humility. But in doing so, you become an example. You honor God, and it's a good witness. It takes humility to do this because you might think that you know better than your boss. You might think that you know better than your manager, and, and maybe you do. Some of you guys probably do know more than your boss or your manager. You, have, you might have, even have more experience than them. But submitting means you, you humble yourself <clears throat> and you respect the authority that God placed above you. Submitting is hard. Submitting goes against our nature. It goes against everything that we are. It hurts our pride. It's a punch to the gut. <clears throat> but again, submission is an act of worship. If we love God and we want to worship him, we need to submit. We do it for the Lord, not for ourselves, not for our masters, not for our bosses, not for our teachers. We do it for God. Peter calls us to look at <clears throat> Jesus' example. And I love that. He doesn't just say, do these things, and he doesn't end there. He says, do these things because Jesus did it too, and look at his example. Right, verses 25, excuse me, 21 to 25 is all about Jesus' example for us. You know, Peter was probably going through Isaiah <clears throat> in his morning devotions because he quotes from Isaiah 53, like, so much in this chapter. Where Peter says that Jesus left us an example in which we must follow. He says, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Can you say that about yourself? <laughs> I can't. I've committed sin and there's deceit found in my mouth all the time. Unfortunately. Jesus committed no sin. He was perfect. He is perfect. He is our perfect sacrifice, right? The only one who can save us. The only one who could die in our place. Nobody else could go up there and hang on the cross for me, for you. I mean, they can, but it won't mean anything. Only Jesus can take away our sins. Only Jesus can die in our place so that we don't have to. The perfect sacrifice. You know, in Isaiah, when, when he stood before the Lord, he said, I am undone for I am a man of unclean lips. I dwell among a people of unclean lips. We're liars. We are all just liars. I mean, our lips, we, we, we lie without thinking sometimes. We, we lie to make ourselves look good, <clears throat> small or big. Liars. We have unclean lips. Our example, our Lord though, He's not a liar. There's purity in Jesus's words. Right? There's peace in Jesus's words. God cannot, you know, God cannot lie. There's no deceit or trickery found in his mouth. I mean, think about when Jesus was being accused. Right? People lied about Jesus. They wrongly accused Jesus. 
I mean, many people on the witness stand, they'll, they'll twist the truth a little bit, <clears throat> maybe to make themselves look good or to, to better suit their situation. Not Jesus, though. He clearly spoke truth. Caiaphas says, are you the son of God? Jesus says, yes. Pilate asks, are you, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, very simply, it, it's as you say. Even under immense pressure, he knew that saying these things were going to just make the crowd even that much more upset. He knew that people were going to hate him for these answers. Did, it, did that stop him? No. Can you imagine the pressure to just say something that wasn't true in order to get himself out of, the, out of, out of trouble to save himself? <clears throat> we are people of unclean lips. We lie to get ourselves out of trouble. We lie to get our way. We deceive people. But not Jesus. There's no deceit found in his mouth. You know, we lie, we lie, we lie, not only to others, but even to ourselves. So much so that we can start to believe in those lies. We can, we can live self-deceived. I mean, it's, it's quite amazing, actually, how we can lie so much to ourselves that we start to believe that we are something we're not, or we're not something we are. Oh, I'm a good person because, you know, you keep telling yourself that. I'm good enough. I'm my own. I'm not mean. I'm not mean when you're, you know, chewing, out, chewing people out all the time. We, we can deceive ourselves. Jesus says, I am the truth. Right? Pilate said, what is truth? Jesus says, I am the truth. I mean, who can say that? Only Jesus can say that. We serve a God who is faithful, who is truth, who is loving, who committed no sin, and Peter says, walk in his steps. Walk like Jesus did. So church, let's walk in his steps. Follow the example that Jesus set before us. He laid it out for us. He lived it out for us. Now we can look at him and say, okay, this is what we have to do. This is how he reacted. Let's react in the same way. This is how he did things. Let's do it the same way. If we are to follow his steps, <clears throat> then we are to be workers who are trustworthy. Our second point, be workers who are trustworthy. There can't be deceit found in our mouths, you guys, but only truth and love. Verse 23 says, who when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he, was, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to the one who judges righteously or justly. This is incredible, right? Look at how Jesus responded to hostility. When people attacked him, when people accused him wrongly, right? He didn't retaliate. He was assaulted. He was insulted, but didn't have any venom, if you will, to give back. He didn't fight back. He didn't hurt back. I mean, think of him hanging on the cross. They beat him. They accused him wrongly, mocking him. Jesus had nothing to say. He didn't say anything back to them. He just took it. 
People aren't like that though, right? When people, when, when they're attacked, they attack back. When people are, when they feel, you know, like they're backed into a corner, they fight back. When something wrong is done to them, they, they want to just hurt people back. I mean, just look at these bumper stickers I found on Google. <clears throat> the closer you get, the slower I drive. <laughs> or the next one, right? I don't get mad. I get even. <laughs> okay. Or the last one, right? Keep honking. I'm reloading. Scary. <laughs> but this is people, right? This is, this is the world that we live in. You attack me, I attack you back. An eye for an eye. Maybe a little bit more. <laughs> you hurt me, I hurt you back. You deserve that. I deserve justice. I mean, that's the world that we live in. We want to get even. We want to hurt back. Jesus didn't respond. When he suffered, he didn't threaten. Right? Peter says um, he didn't threaten back when he was suffering. Right? I mean, think about Jesus and his ministry. How many times did Jesus get accused and challenged? He had no trigger phrases like, don't talk about Jesus' mom around him because he'll, you know, flip off. He'll get so mad. No, he, he took everything calmly and, and collectively. The disciples didn't have to hold Jesus back at certain times. You said, what? Right? Jesus didn't get upset. He was calm and collected all the time. Jesus was on the cross, looking at the soldiers, looking at the Jews, saying, just wait till I get down there. No, he took it. He submitted, Peter says, to the one who just, or judges righteously at the end. Jesus is so unlike our culture. He's everything that the world is not, right? There's no bragging, no lies found in his mouth. Be like that. Man, it's hard, but be like that, yielded and submitted. Jesus was meek. He was yielded. He submitted to God. See, God is the final judge. Right? We read that Jesus submitted or committed right, himself to the one who judges righteously. God is the ultimate judge. He is the final judge. If your boss is unjust and treating you harshly, then they will be judged. So will you, though. So live like Jesus and commit your heart and your soul and your will to the Father in heaven. Peter ends this chapter with three aspects of Christ. And I want to look at all three of those with you guys today. We see that Christ is our healer. He's our shepherd and he's our overseer or guardian, right? <clears throat> It's found in verses 24 and 25. We'll, we'll read it again. <clears throat> Peter says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Here's the first aspect, our healer. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now have returned to the shepherd, right? Our second aspect. And overseer of your souls. Three things I want to look at today. The first thing, Christ is our healer. P 
Peter quotes again from Isaiah 53, by his stripes, right, or by his wounds, we are healed. Peter talks about the spiritual healing that we have in Christ. Peter says, who himself, right, bore our sins in his own body on the tree, right? Jesus took the punishment on his own body. Jesus did this. Not, not anybody else. A sacrifice for us. See, every wicked thought, everything that we stole, every hatred, every lust, everything, he carried it to the cross. He carried it with him, nailed it to the cross so that our sins are left there so that now we can be forgiven. Paul says in Colossians 2.14, he says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he was taking, he has taken it out out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. That's what Jesus did for us. There are some requirements, right? There's some punishment. There are some consequences that were required of our actions. He took those things and he nailed it to the cross. And now we're free. I mean, that's the gospel, right? Jesus takes our sins, nails it to the cross. He dies for us and he rises again. That's what Jesus did for us. He submitted to the father, went to the cross and bore all our sins. That's what he did. God is so good. And the cross is where we die. The cross is where our sins die. It's also where our nature and our flesh dies, right? Paul says in Romans 6, 11, to reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. Reckon yourself dead. Right, so the, the cross is where we die. The cross is where we go to, to put our flesh, our nature to death. But it's not only that. The cross is also where we live, is where we find life. We put to death our sin and shame, our flesh, our nature, and then we find life there through Jesus Christ. That's where we find mercy and forgiveness. Right, it's the cross. Jesus brings us healing. He is our healer. He is the medicine, if you will, for the sickness of our hearts, our soul, right? Things that we can't heal on our own, things that we can't go to other people, right, for help. We, we need Jesus to heal that sickness of our hearts, our souls. You, you might not have known this or not even believe it, but we need healing. We need to be healed. Without Christ, we're, we're broken, we're broken people. Without Christ, we're left to die. Without Christ, we're hopeless. We need Christ. We need Jesus. And he heals us. The second aspect of Christ that we see is that he is our shepherd. Jesus is our shepherd. Right. On Friday nights, we're going through John 10 right now. And we're looking at Jesus being our shepherd. Right? And it's, it's a good reminder for us um, that we are sheep. Again, this is coming from Isaiah 53. We're, we were like sheep going astray. Now, it's not a compliment when, when Peter says we're like sheep. 
oh, we're cute, and no, no, it's not a compliment, right? Sheep can be very foolish. Sheep are very much dependent on the shepherd. They're needy. King David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? Everything we need is in the Lord. He is our shepherd. So the question is, are we following God to shepherd us? Are we allowing God, excuse me, to shepherd us? Or are we refusing his help, his help or his leading? Do we go and do our own thing? Are we the sheep that leave the flock to do our own thing? We need the help of the shepherd to do the things we talked about today. <clears throat> Without the shepherd leading us and guiding us, man, we'll go off track so easily. We'll, we'll start, you know, getting, start working in an ungodly way at our workplace. We start saying things that doesn't honor God. We, we start going off track. It's the shepherd that keeps us on track. It's the shepherd that keeps us where we should be. We can't submit to our earthly masters without first submitting to our heavenly shepherd. We need to do that first. Because he's the one that keeps us in check. Without the shepherd, sheep will go wherever they want. <clears throat> Doesn't matter if it's dangerous. They'll, they'll walk straight into it. He's the one that helps us. The shepherd is the one that helps us. One of the first, or if not the, the first occupation we see in the Bible is a shepherd, right? Abel. We're told that he was a keeper of the sheep, right? <clears throat> Here's Abel. He's looking out at all the animals, right? There's lions, there's snakes, there's, you know, uh, bulls, and he sees sheep. He's like, oh, somebody needs to protect them, <laughs> right? So he goes out there and he becomes a shepherd. I mean, it's, it's how true is that, though? As sheep, we need protection. As sheep, we need to be guided and led and protected by the shepherd. <laughs> Think about how the Lord provides for us. Think about how the Lord keeps us. Think about how the Lord loves us. He is our good shepherd. He calls us by our name. He calls us. He speaks to us. He cares about us. It's good to submit to our shepherd. <laughs> At times you want to do your own thing, I understand, but we need, to, we need to stay with the shepherd. His rod and his staff, they comfort us, right? He loves us. But I know being stubborn and foolish, we can, we can run away from our shepherd so easy. We run away, we want to do our own thing, we think we can be our own shepherd, we think we can lead our own way, <clears throat> thinking we can defend ourselves. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big sheep now. I can, I can take care of myself. And what happens? We fall into sin. We get attacked by the enemy. It's later in this uh, letter, right? First Peter 5, 8. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant. Because the adversary, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How, that's a scary thought. Right, the devil's watching. He's, he's constantly watching. When's Josh going to leave the shepherd? When's Josh going to start straying away? That's when he attacks me. That's, that's, that's when he goes out and, and kills. That's when he goes out and attacks. He's waiting for the perfect opportunity. And he's there when the opportunity arises. So we must not leave the side of our shepherd. We must not go off and wander away. We need to stay close by the shepherd who protects us, 
whose rod and staff protect us. The only safety, the only safety for a sheep is to follow its shepherd. And so applying it to us, the only safety for us as sheep is to follow and submit to our father, our shepherd. The last aspect I want to look at together with you guys is that Christ is our guardian or our overseer. We read in verse 25, right? That Christ is the overseer of our souls. The King James says bishop, or he is the bishop of our souls. Another word for this is supervisor. He is the supervisor of our souls. A lot of translations will translate this word as guardian, or he is the guardian of our souls. I like that. He's the one who looks after us. He's the one that protects us. So he heals us when we need healing. By his stripes, we are healed. He protects us and leads us in the right path as our shepherd. And he guards us and he protects us as our guardian, as our overseer. The things we talked about today, they're not easy things. They really aren't. It takes a lot of work, (coughs) humility to submit to our masters, our bosses, our authority that's put above us. Even when they're corrupt, that's a tough thing to do. That's hard. It takes strength. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's possible. You know, the fact that we're commanded to do so means it's possible. We can do it. Jesus already walked this out for us. He was unjustly tried. He was accused and attacked over and over and over. The world hated him. I mean, it's tough to be hated. Nobody likes to be hated. We all like to be liked, right? And that's our nature. But no matter the consequence, if you will, Jesus submitted himself to the Father. Look where he got him. He was hanging on the cross, but that was God's will for him. Guys, following Jesus, submitting to our Father might not take us where we like to go. We might not be comfortable where it takes us, but submitting to the Father is where we need to be. In everything he did, Jesus honored God. He was obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross, Paul says in Philippians. Not just death, death on the cross. That's another whole, it's a whole other level. Jesus did it. He endured it. He went through it because he loved you and me and because he submitted to the Father. Jesus suffered for us. Jesus suffered for you. And we need to have the same attitude that Peter and the apostles had. Remember that? When Peter and the apostles were arrested for preaching Jesus and they were beaten and, you know, strictly told not to do it again, they were released and they do it again. (laughs) And they're arrested, beaten, right? And then, and when they come out, we read in Acts 5.41, right? It says, they rejoiced. How crazy are they? No, they, they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That's, that's a crazy point of view. When you suffer for Jesus, we, we should be rejoicing. Oh, God found me worthy to suffer for him. 
Let's follow Jesus' example he laid down for us. And as we follow his steps, as we follow Jesus, his example, he will be there with us as our healer, as our shepherd, and as our guardian to help us through it. How amazing is that? So I pray that you guys will have the strength to be a good witness as you go back to work, as you go back to wherever you guys go this week, that God will give you the strength to submit to your masters, to submit to your um, bosses or whoever you replace that word with, and that you'll follow Jesus' example and that you'll depend on him as our healer, shepherd, and guardian. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the example that you've laid before us. It's a difficult thing to do, God. It's so hard. We have disagreements with our bosses sometimes. We have disagreements or we get into arguments. But at the end, Lord, we need to submit. And Lord, I pray that you'll give us the strength to do that. God, to know that ultimately we serve you. Jesus. Give us supernatural love for the people we work under. Give us supernatural love for the people we work with. Help us to see them through your eyes, not ours, God. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice and the work you did on the cross for us. We can never thank you enough. We worship you and we live our lives, God, for you. I pray that you'll be blessed in our lives. I pray that you'll be blessed in the way we work with our work ethic and how reliable we are and trustworthy and good workers that we are. Lord, I pray that you'll be blessed in that. Help us to honor you in our workplace and the way that we treat treat others. Give us the strength, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.